everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. So thank you so much for joining us and please, please type any questions you have in the box and we will try to get to them. And Mark, you can interrupt at any time to ask those questions. So let's get started. We are so excited to speak with Jennings Ingram, who is a consultant in food forest creation and green lifestyles, as well as the creator of the Regenerative Revolution podcast. So welcome, Jennings. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for being here. So, um, for those that don't know, where in the world are you located and how long have you been there for? So, I'm currently living in Hawaii. I've been here for about three, three years, almost three years. Yeah, oh my gosh, I guess exactly three years as of two days ago, which is crazy. Um, I moved here right before COVID happened, actually, which was an interesting whole process and I've built up my business over here of consulting and helping people with their gardens and I started the podcast here and because of the history I think of Hawaii and the kind of consciousness here which is very about like caring for the aina the earth and obviously you know I mean maybe not obviously a lot of Hawaiian culture was completely based around like communal land stewardship and their spirituality and everything totally woven into that and you can really feel that here so yeah that is where I'm at that's great that sounds like a wonderful place to be um so when you're not working consulting what do you like to do for fun well, um, a lot of what drew me here is the nature. So definitely being in nature. I'm super into swimming and hiking and going help friends in their gardens. And yeah, I've been doing some volunteer work for the past year, working on the Ram Dass, um, Hanuman Maui, their temple gardens and the, getting the food gardens going there, which has been really good. Seva, and it's been fun to be part of the satsang there. And yeah, so mostly those things, still nature things. <laughs> That's cool. I really like nature as well. And it's nice that um, you can volunteer and give back to something that you love so much. Um, and that's kind of what your work does as well. Yes. Um, specific question to your region, being in Hawaii, are there any benefits or constraints compared to other geographical locations regarding um, permaculture techniques that you use, such as physical or weather related or anything interesting or specific unique to being in Hawaii? Sure, yeah. Um, we have you know, the soils are very young here. It's very volcanic. I mean, obviously, like, 
to change of volcanoes. So um, there, there is definitely a challenge with like building up soils and things like that. Also, we get a lot of rain. Well, every island, there's a wet side and a dry side, right? I'm on like the wetter side. So we get a lot of rain and that can create challenges with like maintaining um, soil fertility as well as we have, um, we're currently having some hydrological issues, I guess you could say with the, the way that the water is being used on the island and experiencing drought and some fires. And there's kind of a long history um, of misuse of land and water resources here. So it's, that's a, that's a challenging, challenging aspect as well as I think, um, yeah, I'll probably, I'll just, I won't go into the whole history of it, but I'll leave that there. And maybe I could just give you guys an overview of kind of the arms of what I'm doing. So for people who aren't familiar. Yeah, sure. Can, yeah. So um, the first thing that I do is I host a podcast. So it's called the Regenerative Revolution Podcast. And the goal when I started it, and still, is to really explore this movement, right? Because the regenerative movement is, it's a whole, it's like the, if you're familiar with the, with the term of like energy descent culture or the way that society has kind of been, um, the way that a lot of modern society is now was built when we were extracting like more and more and more fossil fuel from the earth, basically, like on this up upward trajectory of like more and more and more. And now we're in this place where it's becoming very apparent that um, these ways of being and of living and endless extraction of uh, fossil fuels and kind of endlessly building things up and not caring for the soil and being separate from, for example, our food production, um, those things don't work. And if we continue in that way, um, humanity won't be able to survive on the planet anymore. And that can be grim to think about, but what's actually so refreshing and the angle that I like to take with it is it's a huge opportunity for doing things differently and doing things in a way that actually works with these biotic systems of the earth. Um, there's some crazy birds so you might hear them. <laughs> so that is what the podcast is doing. We're highlighting people in this movement who are approaching this challenge in a way where they're able to have success, where they are, um, through whatever approach they're taking, they're able to make a large positive impact and inspire other people and who are growing this, this kind of movement that is now essential as we transition our culture. So that's a podcast and that's why I started it. And um, that's the consciousness that it's coming from. And it's so much fun. I love all my guests. We're on season two now, so it's still pretty new. Um, but there's just endless amazing people to interview who are passionate about this work, who want to see us be in right relationship with each other and with the planet, and who are creatively making livelihoods in that way. And that's 
that's like the vibe that I really resonate with. And that's, yeah, that's what's going on there. Um, and so there's that. And then I also do like consulting. So for people who are wanting to transition their lifestyle in some type of way to um, their lifestyle, their landscape, whatever they have available to them, you know, everybody's situation is completely different. Or if they're wanting to create a business um, in the regenerative field, there's so much out there in terms of resources, information, people to get to get connected to. And so I kind of act as like just a conduit for people who are wanting to, yeah, do everything from grow their own food to maybe start, um, start a business in this arena. And that's really fun and really rewarding. And then I also here in person on the island, I've got a group of women that I work with helping to create and maintain their food gardens. So that's really fun to see, you know, like the, when I think of gardens and food forests, it's like this process where we get to literally manifest, like have a vision in our head and like see it grow and come to life. And so that is um, my in-person work here which has been so fun and really rewarding and just so amazing to be able to be part of feeding the community here. Okay, and then last thing, <laughs> last thing is I help with social media and content creation for, um, for other, well, for obviously for myself and my own work, but other businesses and groups who are part of this movement and are wanting to have like a, have a solid digital presence. Um, yeah. That's, you stay very busy. And yeah. I've seen your podcast and it's very thought provoking and really great stuff. So, yeah. So, for those that may not know, would you mind? Um, describing like giving a rough definition of uh regenerative movement or regenerative practices you kind of touched yeah. on it yes totally so um like i was mentioning the the way so not in all of history right but in modern history um like since the agricultural like revolution i guess started happening um we have interacted with the earth in this way that is um or increasingly not the whole time right but increasingly it's not reciprocal right so we're like taking but we're not giving back and when we think about nature the way that things cycle like even if you think about the uh the water cycle you know it's like it's a it's a full cycle right or a bank account like we we withdraw and then we deposit and we withdraw and then we deposit and without the full like circular cycle, the system breaks down. And so that's what we're seeing in terms of a lot of the way that food is grown and the way that we are working with fossil fuel, for example. So instead of like, okay, this is a little bit extreme, but one example is like, I read an article recently that described a lot of yeah, modern society as a death cult, which 
it's it sounds a little extreme, but in a lot of ways it kind of is because you know it's like we buy things that are produced in extractive ways and then we use them up and then we throw them away or whatever, you know? And so in that way we're like we're just extracting, but we're not putting back. So when we talk about regeneration, we're talking about working with the full cycle, like replenishing the full cycle, the full water cycle, the full cycle of organic material, um, things like that. And it's a little broad, I suppose, but... Um, That's great. Yeah, a concrete example would be composting, right? Like we, ideally you get food, ideally the food is like grown from your garden, um, so that's like you've received, that's like the uphill side of the cycle you receive and then you consume the food and then what you don't eat, or I mean, ideally, like what you also extract, that gets composted and goes back into the soil so that the full cycle can happen. So it's not just endlessly pulling out from the soil and not giving back. Right. So would you mind um, kind of going into more detail on the types of regenerative uh, and sustainable permaculture um, farming practices that you're implementing and finding success with? Um, like, are you using animals or um, whatever you want to disclose? So, um, personally, at this moment, I don't have my own farm. I only help other people their projects so there's that um the most practiced like a methodology that i've used here has been um it's called syntropic agroforestry so it's where you are using you're basically okay so there's different layers to a forest naturally right there's like the tallest canopy layers to the lowest understory and there's like many different layers in between and each tree and plant has a different need for sunlight and nutrients and things and they're meant to live symbiotically together like all the rest of the organisms on this planet so when we work with syntropic agroforestry we are thinking about each plant or each tree we're planting forests basically of trees that are producing things that we need a lot of you know fruit trees timber trees things like that and um staggering and and uh staggering is not the word interplanting them in ways where they their needs are being met as well as managing them um to make sure that we are increasing the soil health and the organic material in the soil. So that looks like a lot of, gosh, sorry. That looks like a lot of um, pruning, like specific pruning and mulching of like material from the site and applying it to the soil in a way that um, builds it up over time. So that's one way. Um, I heard you, you mentioned one time in a podcast that somebody said it looks like you're just throwing trash all over the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> referring to mulching, which is a great technique for a smaller area. 
Um, so that's where, you know, you're trying to build up your soil, but you're also trying to kind of use what you have on hand and create gardens. So that was, you know, uh, like you start with a bunch of cardboard and put wood chips over it, basically. It's like pretty simple, but it's just a way to build soil that is, um, yeah, it, it doesn't require you to like rip up the ground or anything like that. It's like, a, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, and gosh, but yeah, I would love to work more with animals and things. Um, but I haven't gone to here. I did in the food forest in Asheville. That was really fun. And I, um, yeah, it's, 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 we also do like just normal, like fairly normal, like vegetable gardening things here too, because people are into that and it helps to feed the community. And, but I also try to emphasize working with and planting native plants like the Hawaiian um, root crop called Kalo or Taro, which is actually part of the creation story of humanity um, for the Hawaiians. And it's an amazing food plant. I, I should have like grabbed a leaf for you guys, but um, it's basically immortal. Like you can plant it, like you plant it once and then you harvest, like the root is the part that you harvest. And when you harvest the root, you cut off the top and replant it. And you can do that like basically forever. It's really amazing. <laughs> um, How do you eat taro? So you cook it, you pressure cook it or boil it for, if you have a pressure cooker, it's not, not it's less than an hour. If you're just straight up boiling it, it's like more than an hour because it has um, oxalates in it. So you can't eat it raw. It will like destroy your body. But uh, oh. so you cook it and then you can make it, then it becomes kind of like a potato. And you can make it into like burgers or mashed potatoes or like, you know, things like that. Um, okay. Yeah. Safe to say that taro um, is your favorite plant that you find most enjoyable or your favorite crop? I actually am more of a fan of cassava because I just really like it and um, it grows in really gnarly soils. Uh, it's a root crop from, I think it's from Brazil. I, I don't know exactly where it's from, but it's a, it's a root crop that will grow even in really bad soil, like with barely any care. And um, another name for it is manioka. It's what tapioca is made out of, if you're familiar with that. Like if you ever have yeah. little pearls and it grows these like, kind of just looks like a tall stick, but it has these like huge roots. Um, that grow under the ground like they're almost like massive potatoes and they uh, are super delicious and they're really amazing plants and they're super easy to propagate as well which is another thing that I think is really important is like things that are that are easy to grow that you can start seed every year you know perennial foods okay all right so kind of jumping backwards a little bit, um, could you please describe your background and how you got into this line of work? 
Yeah, totally. So um, when I was done with college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I've always been very artistic and that is probably why I'm decent at the whole social media thing um, because I'm just very like visually oriented. And so I decided that I would start, my first business was, um, it was an art business where I was like making these paintings and selling them. And that was really fun it, at first. <laughs> um, and then it just became this thing where I was like, oh man, like I'm inside all the time. I feel like the people, like I, you know, like, it, I wasn't necessarily working with like the client base of people that I really vibed with, you know? And so then I just kind of got depressed and I was like, God, like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and so then I was just like wandering around online and I saw the term um, food forest, which I hadn't come across in college. And I was like, what is this? And so I started to research and become interested. And I realized that um, the way that, like if, you have a, if you've ever seen the movie, um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like where they're coming out, there's that scene and they're coming out into his like full chocolate um, forest kind of, and where they're like going around eating everything and they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And, um, that was really, um, like, it really made an impression on me. And then when I came across like food forestry as a thing that people did, I was really, um, amazed and like, oh my gosh, this is why I saw this movie. I feel like it's because this always stuck with me and you can actually create this in real life and like why didn't I know about this and um so I just became really fascinated it was just one of those things like I don't know if you guys ever have moments where something will just happen or, or like like something will happen you'll meet someone or there will be you'll go somewhere and you just like feel intuitively like there's something for me here um and that's how I felt when I found this work uh and I mean I didn't even know it was like something I could do right I didn't even know it was something that I could um ever make any type of career out of or that other people would be interested in but I was interested in <laughs> so yeah I just started to kind of like ravenously study it and watch all the Bill Mollison lectures that I could you know got into permaculture which I don't actually describe myself as like a permaculturist now because um, permaculture is like, it's just a little limiting, you know, like it's, and, and also somewhat uh -huh. commercial depending on who you talk to. And my goal is just to help humanity get back on track with working with nature in a sane way, growing food, restoring the natural cycles that's it i don't feel the need like i don't need to attach any type of particular labels to it although i do like food forests you know um uh -huh. yeah so that was 
so I started to experiment in my own yard and kind of like poke around, see if other people would let me experiment in their yards too. And that was fun. And then I decided to take my permaculture design course, which I took uh, at this place called Earth Haven Eco Village, which is outside Asheville. Amazing place. They've got great courses and um, such amazing people that I met there who I'm still friends with to this day. And then I started, so then I convinced basically one of my teachers to take me on as an apprentice. So I would go around with him to all his consultations, you know, going to people's properties and who wanted to start doing this type of work. And I would go with him and I would like take all these notes, um, of everything he said to people to recommend to them. And then I would type them up and send them later in photos and stuff. So I really got to learn a lot that way. Uh, yeah, and then was kind of doing my own thing, did a little bit in the mycology world, and then got invited to come to Hawaii for an aquaponics internship, which I was really interested in. And um, once I arrived here, it just became really clear that I was supposed to move here. Um, like I had all these dreams and just things just really lined up perfectly for me to be able to come here. And so that was, and then once I was here, you know, COVID happened, all these, all sorts of things happened, but basically I was able to uh, build up my business to where it's at now. And I'm not like, you know, I'm still pretty early on in this. I just turned 30 um, last month and I'm definitely still, what? Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. So I'm still kind of, yeah, I, I feel like I'm definitely still evolving, like as a person, evolving my business, but I'm really thrilled that I've been able to make it this far and able to help people and help the planet yeah it's a it's a bit of a hybrid right i think a lot of people who get into this work maybe go i don't know like start their own farm or things like that and i would like to do that at some point in the future but um for now my life is kind of like this hybrid of uh in person and online work like which i like i mean i i couldn't just you know just do things on the ground, um, I would get bored because I'm like, mm -hmm. I have the podcast. You mix it up and not have to sit in an office all day too, probably, right? Literally would lose my mind. <laughs> I could never do that. <laughs> well, yeah. that's an interesting story and I appreciate you sharing it. Um, cool that you started out as an artist and you have that background that you can apply to everything. Yeah. It's been, I think it's been helpful. Because um, it like mm -hmm. we were before you started recording, like there's not too many people who like walk in both worlds of like, um, yeah, like being able to work with the online world as well as being part of the whole earthy side of things. So um, it's cool to walk in both. Yep, and you do have a great, um, social media 
I really enjoy your Instagram. So that's cool. Um, so do you want to to this kind of random question? That is, what is a negative thing in your life that at the time seemed horrible, but the outcome of it has been amazingly good? You know, well, I guess the example I'll give, it'll be a farming example. Um, when I first started getting into permaculture and learning about all these things, um, we've got a little family farm in North Carolina, and I was very excited to start using those principles and to start planting orchards. And I had like so many plans that I drew up um, for converting like some of the cow pastures to um, permaculture systems, right? Which honestly, like at that time, I didn't really know enough to be designing those systems anyway. So maybe it's, I mean, it's all works out the way it's supposed to, right? So I came up with all these plans, went over them with my family, and we were going to buy all the fruit trees and start putting them in, and I was really excited. And then there was like a really bad miscommunication with um, one of my family members who had recently started to take over uh, managing the land after my grandparents um, had officially like stepped down from that role. And um, so what happened was the agricultural extension agent ended up recommending for our fields to be treated with these very strong herbicides because there were a certain amount of weeds and things um, coming up, which I was studying being like, oh my God, it's because compaction and we need to like rotate the cows differently and all these, you know, it was like making sense to me. Um, and but I, we, our communication wasn't good enough to where we got on the same page with that before the fields got treated with these horrible um, herbicides. So when that happened, um, I was really devastated. There was, it was just really sad because it was like, wow, for the next eight plus years, literally nothing can grow here but grass. Um, this is really gnarly. So that was really sad and difficult and um, still is. But because of that, I was open to do something like go to Hawaii and um, step into this lifestyle here and start to build my business here. So in a way, and from that, there's been incredible personal growth, um, incredible community here, and a lot that wouldn't have happened if I had just stayed in North Carolina. So there's that. Yeah. Well, that's a good story. <laughs> Um, so what is one lesson your job has taught you that, or your profession, um, that you think everyone should learn? 
Communication was a theme from the last story. <laughs> oh my God, communication, yeah. Gosh, you know, there's, there's so many. I think a lot of, I guess the way I would distill it would be, we need to look at the whole picture um, of what's happening in any situation. So, especially if we're approaching things, trying to make things better. Um, so, for example, yeah, in the example of my family farm, like, there's the knowledge, there's the resources to get the trees, you know, there's people to help, but yeah, that communication element and that ability to have that, um, that info flow uh, wasn't there. And so because of that, the whole system, the system doesn't function, right? Um, and I think even on a consumer level for people who are thinking about you know, if you're even just going to the grocery store, like where am I gonna get my food from this week? If you think about um, what's the whole cycle, right? Like if you are going and buying some miscellaneous like turkey in a package, say, it's like, okay, what's the whole life cycle of that, right? It's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of different um, intervals of, of things that are likely causing harm, right? Like um, the way that the birds are raised, like their life cycle, the way that the workers working with them are treated and paid, you know, a lot of this, there's a lot of like social justice that comes into this work when we think about um, workers not being compensated fairly, not having good living conditions, the use of like immigrant labor and, um, importing like the whole chocolate industry for instance like i don't even get me started but it's just uh we have to consider like the welfare of all of the whole cycle of life when we make decisions and um yeah i feel like communication is such a huge theme with that too because a lot of why people don't know about these things is because there isn't clear communication about them right there's like these companies that have so much money who are putting forth their narrative of like, oh, and then there's not adequate communication of like, oh, this is, um, or education of like, oh, this is actually the full picture of like what you're buying. It's releasing this much carbon and it's creating this much social impact. And yeah, so I think thinking about the picture of things more fully Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you are doing with your podcast is you're putting that alternative uh, narrative in, like out there for people to access. And it's free, too. The podcast is. So there's the education component of what you're doing, too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Education is huge. You know, if we're not even aware that things can be structured differently then they won't ever be structured differently right like education mm -hmm. and i see that too in like different the people that i've like part of the reason why i'm doing this the way that i am 
is there's so many amazing people who I've met through this movement and this work who are like so they just they're just on it and they have such a broad understanding of everything but they uh their reach is quite limited and the amount of people who can learn from them is quite limited and because they you know will only teach in-person classes or will barely ever teach at all or only within their yeah biographical region or things like that so part of this is to try to amplify this work um so that it's accessible and appealing and um can be yeah present in the narrative of culture mm -hmm. so another question what would you say is the biggest obstacle preventing others from switching from conventional agricultural practices to more regenerative and sustainable ones? And I know this is a loaded question, but yeah, take a stab. <laughs> don't have a ton of experience like helping large farms to switch their organizations, right? Like, so it's not something that I'm super qualified to speak on because I haven't lived, you know, I haven't lived that. I would be really interested in trying to be being part of that. Um, and I've talked to mm -hmm. people those types of things. I mean, I think a lot of it that I've heard of is like um, the money, right? It's like, because when you switch, based on like, this is my understanding of things that I've heard, not from my personal experience, but when you switch um, from the conventional to the regenerative organic cover cropping, using compost, these things like, um, or even switching over, to, for example, to tree crops, which are longer lived but take a long, take several years to have a yield. There's mm -hmm. this gap in years like where you're not making money so much, and so for a lot of people, that makes it not feasible really to um to switch because under capitalism we all have to continually you know pay our bills and uh generate money or we will most of us would like starve right so it's um it's an interesting thing trying to <clears throat> bring this work together with the the work of or with the um under the conditions of of capitalism um that's mm -hmm. a huge and honestly what i've seen is it means that this work is mostly accessible to people who have more resources um doing this type yep. of thing is accessible to people who have more resources and who are motivated to do this type of thing which is sad mm -hmm. but yeah that's a great answer so, um, would you want to share some of um, what you're doing with the women's gardens, or are they farms or gardens? Food forest, forest. Slash yeah. like a hybrid, like most of them have areas where we have like tree crops and then more of like a vegetable garden. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I could share about one project that I've been working on for together with other people, right? Like that's an important thing to note is that 
this is a team sport, right? This isn't like someone alone doing these things. It takes uh, manpower and it takes coordination and it takes resources, which is again, you know, why a lot of, why it's not accessible to everyone, even though it should be. Um, I mean, just even land is accessible to a lot of people, but anyways. Um, so we are, we started about, yeah, gosh, over two years ago with just what she had, um, working together with some other people and basically planning to transition. It's about four acres, but not all of, we're not doing all, I think one of them is like, or the area is probably like, I don't know, an acre total. Um, yeah, together with my partner at the time, we put together a kind of like a, um, yeah, a layout, a, a game plan for, for moving the system into a more productive direction, adding a bunch more fruit trees. And she's got a family, which is really amazing because, um, you know, her kids get to grow up with this amazing food forest garden. Like it's kind of like a living temple, sort of like that's the vibe is it's very like sacred. And um, over the past two years, the progress has just been incredible. I mean, I wish I had images to show you guys, but it's just went from a couple fruit trees and vetiver pretty much to like perennial, so many perennial greens, tons of different fruit trees, um, areas for growing veggies. She's also really into medicinal herbs. So they're doing a lot of medicinal herbs and um, put in a new part of like this trail system. And again, like it's a team effort, like I've just been a small part of that, but um, it's been so amazing. And it's just so gorgeous, you know, the way that nature responds when we actually work with her in the way that she wants to be worked with is just like the most gorgeous thing. And um, they've got so much food now, you know, she is always giving me cassava and some of the fruit trees are starting to fruit and it's just a really amazing transition to have been part of. So that's my favorite project. That is awesome. I would love to see it. Do you have pictures of the that on your Instagram or anywhere? Um, no, she, um, everybody feels different about sharing their, their, uh, their work. And so it's important to always, yeah, respect. And if people don't want things photographed, well, then that's okay. Right. Yeah. Well, at least you get to experience it in person. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, how about what uh, a typical workday looks like for you? Sure. Yeah. So usually, uh, so it depends. It's different every day of the week, but a general rhythm is the first half of the day, I will be at a property um, doing yeah, gardening or picking out plants or designing new areas or whatever it is. First half of the day is like on the prop is on somebody's property. 
And then the second half of the day, I will be working on either the podcast or helping some of these other organizations with their social media or doing consulting. Um, so it's kind of like a 50-50 type of a rhythm. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a nice balance. It is a good balance. Yeah. So is how did COVID or the pandemic, how did that affect you in your business? Well, when COVID happened, I had only been here on the island for about six months. And I was living at this um, permaculture farm here. And so it, in a way, it was a good place to go through those early stages of COVID when you know no one left their house. And um, it was really scary because we were together in our little pod in the jungle and we had a ton of food plants all around us. So it was actually like a protected little bubble. Um, but at that time I wasn't working. I didn't have any of this other stuff going. It's this, the structure that we're talking about has just emerged in the past two years. So um, during that time, yeah, I wasn't, I was just there basically just on the farm um, with everybody kind of like just waiting to see what happened. We didn't even, didn't even have like regular internet or anything. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I just quarantined together. Yeah, it was really interesting. Hmm. So, um, how about what goals do you have for the next five, 10 years? Anything you want to share? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, business-wise, I'm definitely going to continue to grow the podcast and to grow my consulting services. And for anyone listening, just know that I'm available for yeah, helping people transition to a more green lifestyle, whatever that looks like for you. If you just want to start a vegetable garden with your family and you're just like, feeling overwhelmed by all the material out there and you want help of where to start so that your kids can have fresh food. Or if you are more entrepreneurial and you want to um, have a business in this, in this growing area, I know a lot of people who are in this and I have a lot of resources I can connect you with. And then, um, and for, I'm also really wanting to um, bring on more sponsors, like aligned sponsors um, for the podcast. I've also started working with specific brands who are aligned with this mission. So having more of those partnerships. And I'd also, so yeah, so that's the business area. And then for my personal life, I'd like to get some land and get um get like an off-grid house going, <laughs> but like a nice one, you know, and hopefully, yeah, live there with my family and yeah. That sounds like a plan. Yeah. Use some eco bricks to make your house. Yeah, I should. I want to. I mean, there's plenty of that material in the world, so might as well use it. I had never heard of that, but I thought that was a great blog post where you said three things to do uh, 
to be more environmentally friendly from an apartment. Yeah, yeah. And I had never heard of an eco brick, and I was like, that's awesome. I would love to build something out of those. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the material is going to be here with us. For anybody who doesn't know, an eco brick is like a plastic water bottle stuffed full of plastic, like as dense as you can. And it makes a really good um, building material with this plastic that's going to be with us here on the planet for the rest of our lives anyway. So we might as well like do something useful with it. Mm -hmm. mm. So um, kind of on that same theme, is there any literature or publication or podcast that you'd recommend to somebody interested in starting or transitioning to a food forest, more environmentally uh, green operation, any sort of resources? Sure, yeah, there's a million. Um, so it really depends on where people are coming from. Like, it really, like every everybody's goals, whatever someone's goals are, are going to determine like the resources that they need to be connected with, which is why I offer like the individualized um, consultation sessions. And I would say a great place to start would be like, if you're just wanting to get into this, you barely like know anything, but you're really intrigued. I would just start with the book Gaia's Garden. Um, it's by Toby Hemingway and it's a really good intro to just designing like a small scale system that will feed you and work with nature and just like introduces you to kind of some of these like introductory um, principles and it's really it's like a nice read I think it's a beautiful book too and then if you are wanting to learn more about yeah some of these career paths things like that I would go to the podcast um, and go to this like listen to the episodes for if there's someone who's like you're interested in their stuff like we have one where this guy started this whole thing around um like kelp farming we have tree jenny she's really amazing she started this whole nonprofit um planting carbon sequestering trees in costa rica uh and so i would go to the podcast and look at listen if you want or even just look at the show notes just read the show notes because all the show notes have a ton of um resources in them that i put there that's awesome it's a great resource and i have a friend that is interested in starting a uh, seaweed farm so help oh. not help and seaweed are the same thing but i think they might be so yeah yeah I and mean, they're in the same genre and um depending on your like where you're at in the world, it might not be kelp that's the most appropriate seaweed for you to grow, you know, but it's all yeah, needed. Okay. Um, for your friend, I would check out this organization, Brainwave. Um, mm -hmm. They help to get, they have like an incubator program where they help to get new seaweed farmers set up. And I think, I forgot what the investment is, but it's like a investment and they get you totally set up with everything you need and they even have like buyers set up for your first crops like you have a guarantee wow. yeah so green wave I would be yeah i wonder if you come across that yeah that sounds awesome 
yeah, definitely hook them up with that one. Cool. So getting towards the end here a little bit. Uh, do we have any questions, Mark? Yeah, I have a bunch of questions. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I want to know if, um, uh, tell me about some of your um, guests on podcasts, like uh, people that you think stand out or you know, someone, someone special that you had on, on your show. Mm. I mean, everybody stands out. That's why I ask them, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, We've got, an, we've got an upcoming episode. I think it's going to be the next one that I released with um, this guy, Zach Weiss, and his organization called Elemental Ecosystems. And they are doing this really important work of um, regenerating the water cycle. So a lot of people don't understand that a lot of the, the drought and flood and fire um, cycles that we're experiencing on the planet right now are because of the disturbance of the water cycle and like the way that the whole water cycle isn't functioning the way that it needs to due to human disturbance. But the good news is that there are pretty simple fixes for a lot of it. And, um, and so Elemental Ecosystem and Zach, they are doing phenomenal work people on restoring the whole water cycle. And we go into like, he's got a whole training that you can do, which is amazing. And it's also, and you can create a career in that. Another amazing person in that industry or area is Brad Lancaster, who you guys have probably heard of. Um, and I haven't had him on the show yet, but I definitely am going to. Um, so he's got trainings, but we also go into things that people can just do from home, you know, like, um, and that's going to be the one that I, the interview that I release this month. So I, when you just asked me, that's what came to mind. Awesome. And can you also tell us um, about some of your influences and why they are uh, they had an impact on you um, in your in what you're doing right now? Mm, yeah, um, I guess how do I say this? Um, You know, astrologically, some people might say it's the Aquarian, it's the Aquarius in my chart, but a lot of it, I think, has to do with seeing so much of, like, I don't, I don't have, like, from my childhood or anything, like, super clear role models of, like, people doing what I want to do, but I did have clues of, like, you know, our family farm growing up, like getting to spend so much time out there, like me knowing that I need to be in nature a lot, right? That, that I really value that. And then seeing um, the way that my grandma would always work with the plants and things I love, like she was amazing like that. And then also seeing on the flip side, like um, other people in my family pursuing other careers that I wouldn't want, right? Like, or people in my life, like who are 
you know, for example, like spending their whole life working in a hospital or something like that, which is totally amazing and super needed. We need these oncologists and these people, but um, it was kind of an influence of like, it was kind of a combination of push and pull, right? Like I feel pulled towards these things and I feel pushed away from these things. And so how do I create a livelihood and a lifestyle for myself where I'm able to like walk this path um, that's aligned with these things. And it's, I feel honestly like a weirdo sometimes because there's not that many, uh, I don't know, it's like, I feel like it's still a growing field and it's still like when I tell people what I do, they're like, they're intrigued, but it's also like they haven't heard anybody say that before. So it can be a lot of like emotional labor to like educate people. Um, yeah, so I guess kind of a combination of things. And then when I found permaculture, I was like, oh, this is much more in than I realized permaculture isn't totally it or just being a farmer isn't totally it, but I can, like, weave these things together. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I could go for hours, but we are uh, running out of time, so Erin, uh, why don't you take over? Okay. Yep, it is probably hard to be on the cusp of something that's new, but, you know, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> so. New, but it's old. Like, Humanity yeah. used to live in symbiosis with nature or we wouldn't even have made it this far, right? Like, like that. Um, I'm available for people and I just want people to know that. Yep, she's got a great podcast, so definitely check that out, everybody, if you haven't already. And, yeah, I think that we're good to wrap things up unless you have any final thoughts. But um, thank you so much for Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for doing this. And I'm here for anybody who wants to reach out. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you so much, Jennings. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. And Mark, you can take us out. Bye. Hey everybody, I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the EAT Community Podcast.